welcome to another episode of Ghost Emoji. I'm Becca. I'm Taylor. Today we're going to talk about... Haunted video games. (laughs) Yeah, haunted video games. I'm very excited. I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos to to get a little amuse-bouche of these scary ones, and I actually got a little bit nervous walking into my own bathroom in my empty house to go pee. I picked some scary ones. I was like, should I lock the door while I'm going in here to pee? Is something going to get me? Maybe. I don't play any haunted video games, so I should be fine, but... That's what you think. No, that it's true. It's not Is just it? what I thought. It's a real actual mm. fact. I don't mm. play any haunted video games, and I'm good to go. Don't put that evil on me. I don't know. Rebecca. Don't use my <laughs> Christian name. Exqueeze me. <laughs> I'm sorry, I take it back. I don't think you've called me Rebecca since ever. It. I don't think it happens very often. It's like that time that Ryan said my name, my full name, and I was like, I don't like this. Yeah, I feel like there's a photo from like some themed party where you're both very dressed up, and I feel like he captioned it or something being like, my lovely wife, Rebecca. <sighs> Obviously, it's a caption, so I'm just assuming that was his voice, but... That's what your full name makes me think of every time. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird. I forget that that's my actual name. Just being a fancy lady. It is a fancy name for a not fancy woman. All right. (laughs) So (laughs) I did some scrounging on the internets and came across this haunted video game, urban legend, essentially, about a video game called Polybius. And wouldn't you know it, there's a bunch of haunted video games. Yeah. So, added some more to supplement that. They're all very good. I was happy with the collection. Now, if anything, I feel like Polybius kind of needs to pull its weight a little bit. Yeah, I know. It's. <laughs> I mean, it was the inspiration, but the others really take the cake. The last one, I, I, the best one I saved for last. That's that's the one where I was like, oh, man, do I have to close this door while I'm going to the bathroom? <laughs> I'm going to open scary. this door and there's going to be a scary elegy statue on the other side. <laughs> Surprise. Uh-huh. Uh, Cleverbot's going to message you. No. <laughs> Cleverbot, get out of my house. <laughs> so, according to legend, a video game called Polybius was released for about a month in 1981 in Portland, Oregon. Uh, Polybius takes its name from that of the Greek historian Polybius, who is known for his assertion that historians should never report what they cannot verify through interviews with witnesses. That's just a little bit of flavor as to what they named it after. But um, the game was supposedly designed by the government to be a psychological experiment. And it functioned like a drug. A drug. <laughs> a drug. Are you on a drug right now? Is that <laughs> yes, why you sound like this? I am. It's called ibuprofen. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it functioned like a drug, and it gave its players seizures and nightmares. Government officials would come in and es- extract the information about the players through the arcade machine, which is hilarious to imagine because in the 80s, they definitely did not have that technology. Like, I was going to say, what do they mean? <laughs> who knows uh, paranoia they did like a like an etching of the front and be like oh this doesn't work the screen's flat <laughs> god pretty much probably just fastened like a hose onto the back of it and then turned a crank and all of the internet juice all the high scores came out 
<sighs> went to a little suitcase and then they just tip their hat and say, good day, my lady, and leave. Like, the only thing I can imagine is if they were just videotaping everyone. But even that, like, wouldn't really tell you anything psychological about people, really. Like, I mean, if it's government official men in black type people, if it's 1981, you know their technology is already, like, in 2000. So they probably had, like, zip drives. I guess so. I mean, if we're going through with that logic, that's, yeah, I guess so. They're not messing around with, no, a floppy disk. Get out of here. We're going to need at least 7,000 floppy disks to get about four gigabytes of information. Oh, man, floppy disks. Jesus. <sighs> so, though the game was almost certainly not real, uh, there were a few video game-related happenings that probably spurned the legend. One was the game Tempest, which did cause epileptic reactions and motion sickness among some players when it was released in 1981. And another was that FBI agents did inspect an arcade around the same time during an investigation that uh, reports of gambling. Gambling. So an entry for the title was added to Arcane arcade game resource coinop.org on february 6 2000 and the entry mentions the name polybius and a copyright date of 1981 although no such copyright has ever been registered and the author of the entry claims in the description to be in possession of a rom image of the game and to have extracted fragments of text from it including in quotes 1981 sinuslotion that's the one we should have looked up how to say <laughs> I feel like I nailed it, but I probably didn't. Sinuslotion. Uh, the remainder of the information about the game is listed as unknown, and it's about the game section describes the bizarre rumors that make up the legend. The game is described as proving popular to the point of addiction, with lines forming around the machines, often resulting in fighting over who would play next. The urban legend describes how the machines were visited by men in black who collected unknown data from the machines, allegedly testing responses to the game's psychoactive effects mm. players supposedly suffered from a series of unpleasant side effects including amnesia insomnia night terrors and hallucinations and approximately one month after its supposed release in 1981 polybius is said to have disappeared without a trace what was the game like i don't know they they explain it a little bit later it said it had um was it like candy crush well i don't think it actually ever existed but it said it was like a blend of a bunch of things. Candy Crush and Tetris and Centipede. All the greats. They, someone thinks that a lot of people that claim to remember having played or seen Polybius may have actually been playing Cube Quest, which was released in 1983. And it was a shooting game with surreal visuals, which plays from a laser disc. And as such, its visuals were far ahead of typical games of the time, and it would be frequently visited for maintenance because of frequent breakdowns because of laser discs. Because laser discs, period. Pretty much. And um, a lot of the time they were removed from arcades for a short time for the same reason. So that's part of it is, you know, I don't think the game ever actually existed. So a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I remember it, but... The thing that they're remembering is, like, a bunch of different other games. They're wrong. Yeah, pretty much. But the company that was named in most accounts of the game is Sinishlotion, or whatever. And the word is described by writer Brian Dunning as not quite idiomatic German, meaning sense delete or sensory deprivation. And these meanings are derived from sine, 
or senses and lotion uh, to extinguish or to delete. So pretty much it was just like someone who knew two German words, put them together, not really Mm -hmm. thinking that that's how you make a real German word, like linguistically. Yeah. And then sometime prior to September 2003, the owner of coinop.org submitted a tip-off to the video game magazine GamePro about Polybius. Um, And it appeared in the September 2003 issue of GamePro as part of a feature story on video games called Secrets and Lies. It was noteworthy as it was the first known printed mention of the game, uh, which exposed the legend to a mass market audience. And um, the article declared the existence of the game to be inconclusive, but it also like sparked curiosity and spread the story more, which is just what we need. And then following the appearance in the GamePro magazine, a bunch of people came forward claiming to have some involvement in with Polybius, which is, it's like, I feel like that happens a lot where people will say something and then a bunch of randos come out of the woodwork and they're like, I did that. And it's like, did you? Because you weren't talking about it before now. If it doesn't exist, then it's one of those things where I guess they're like, I could say that I did it. How are you going to prove me wrong? Exactly. So in 2006, a man named Stephen Roach claimed he had been one of the original programmers and that his company developed a game with very intense and cutting-edge graphics. However, according to Roach, a boy experienced an epileptic seizure while playing and the cabinets were withdrawn by the company in a panic. Although Roach offered no proof for his claims, his story added details on the gameplay, which later inspired Rogue Synapse's game based on the legend. Hmm. So. If he had never talked about it, it probably wouldn't work. But if he had mentioned it to someone or there had been like some industry professionals who were maybe familiar with that, I feel like it could feed into a type of urban legend. But I don't know why the first mention of it would have been in 2000 if it was way back in the 80s. I don't know. I mean, basically what they come to kind of believe is that the reason people like talk about it is because it kind of fits in with the whole technology paranoid 80s era, you know, where Mm -hmm. it was like, I feel like there were so many like kid books where it would be like, my computer took over my brain and shit like that. (laughs) Because for some reason, we were all afraid that something like that could happen but it's kind of a mystery it's like that haunted pinball game in Mm -hmm. are you afraid of the dark yeah exactly you get sucked in and you'll never get out the end so it's never actually been proven that the game like actually existed uh snopes claims to have debunked the existence of the game as a modern day version of 1980s rumors of men in black visiting arcades and taking down the names of high scorers at arcade games which who the fuck cares but okay because they make the best pilots (laughs) and you put them in the gundams that are gonna fight our future wars but because they're good at asteroids fuck they could shoot those asteroids right out of this arcade cabinet, so we should hire them. I'm really bad at asteroids, so I mean, they might not be wrong. It, I mean, that's a good point. Ryan can do those shmups, which I have, like, I cannot do that. I can't hyper-focus that way. He's going right into a Gundam. Oh, God. He's going to be on the, the Gundam front line. Doesn't matter if you've got flat feet if you're riding in a Gundam. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. But... That led to the hypothesis that the government was hosting some sort of experiment, sending subliminal messages to the players, but magazines of the time period dedicated to electronic gaming made no mention of a Polybius, and mainstream news also fails to note such a game. And while a number of mock-up cabinets and games inspired by the myth do exist, no authentic cabinets or ROM dumps have ever been located. 
Ben Silverman of Yahoo Games remarked, Unfortunately, there's no evidence that the game ever existed, no less no less turned its users into battling lunatics. Still, Polybius has enjoyed cult-like status as a throwback to a more technologically paranoid era. People think that the reason that Polybius is a urban legend is that it grew out of a mixture of influences in the 80s. And there are like two players that fell ill in Portland on the same day in 1981, one collapsing with a migraine headache after playing Tempest, and another suffering from stomach pain after playing Asteroids for 28 hours in a filmed attempt to break a world record at the same arcade. Shit. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, just two weird coincidences. And then... um. The person who's reporting all this is Brian Dunning. He's a American producer and author. He also recorded that the FBI raided several video arcades in the area just 10 days later, um, where the owners were suspected for of using the machines for gambling. And the lead up to the raid involved FBI agents monitoring arcade cabinets for signs of tampering and recording high scores. He suggests that these two events were combined in an urban legend about government monitoring arcade machines making players ill. He believes that such a myth must have been established by 1984 and that it influenced the plot of the film The Last Starfighter, in which a teenager is recruited by aliens who monitored him playing a covertly developed arcade game. Nice. And then, like you said, Dunning considers Sinislotion to be the kind of... The kind of name that a non-German speaker would generate if they tried to create a compound word using an English to German dictionary. So basically, yeah. They babblefished it. Yeah, they just made up some bullshit. I do wonder why, like, if if it had to have come in by 1984 to influence that last Starfighter movie, Mm -hmm. why it didn't come back around until 2000? Like, where was it hanging out for those 15 years or whatever? Maybe someone just... Someone brought it up and someone was like, oh, man, that's interesting. It's it's weird how anything got spread before, like, the internet was really very popular. Mm-hmm. So I have no idea how things spread. I mean, I guess just word of mouth and weird urban legends and shit, but... Chain letters. Chain letters, yes. It's like a chain email, but so much worse. So many stamps. Because you have to throw it away. You can't just delete it. You can't mass delete that. So, however... Some skeptics believe that the Polybius myth has a far more recent origin. British filmmaker and video game journalist Stuart Brown, after his investigation of the legend's origin, did not find any evidence of the Polybius myth existing until the year 2000. He concluded that Polybius was an intentional hoax made by Kurt Collar, owner of coinop.org, in order to drive traffic to his website. The hoax capitalized on the popularity of conspiracy theories and the highly viral nature of other recent internet hoaxes. In Brown's view, the reason for a 1980s origin are simply retroactive justifications of the hoax existence, which served as inspiration to Collar to craft his tale. He also theorized that people remembered remembering seeing something about it on Usenet in 1994 were misremembering articles on Publius Enigma. What's Publius Enigma? Uh, it's an internet phenomenon and unsolved problem that began with cryptic messages posted by a user identifying only as Publius to the unmoderated Usenet newsgroup alt.music.pinkfloyd through the Peanut Penet Remailer, which is a defunct anonymous information exchange service. They apparently did Pink Floyd, like, themed riddles. <laughs> Small but loyal cult following. That's what the Wikipedia says anyways. I'll take their word for it. But the legacy of Polybius has influenced, like, other games to basically, like, 
publish under the name Polybius, drawing upon the urban legend as inspiration. Uh, the claims made in the urban legend of psychoactive or subliminal effects do not apply to these games. But uh, there's Polybius for PC, which came out in 2007. Polybius for Atari 2600 came out in 2013. And Polybius for PlayStation 4 came out in 2017. So not sure what any of those are like. I meant to look it up, but then was like, eh, I did enough research. That's the legend of Polybius. Have any of you played it? I doubt it because it's made up. Say, unless you've played one of these three, it's not real. Don't go looking for it. It's a hoax. Oh boy. So did I actually? You might not know this about me. I've never played any of the Pokemon games except for Pokemon Snap and some of the mini games in Pokemon Stadium for N sixty four. You've never played a Pokemon game? No, I never have. I never really got into Pokemon. And I did like video games, but I guess since I wasn't into it, my parents never like bought me any of them for the Game Boy or anything like that. So I do not know the difference between red and blue and silver and X and emerald and sapphire or whatever they're doing. So this one, I knew about it, but didn't have any like firsthand experience with the game itself. Did you play this one? Pokemon Red and Green? I'm having to like reconstruct my whole like childhood childhood and feelings what because i didn't play pokemon i thought you did why i mean i didn't have any of the cards or anything didn't have a monster binder like you did a pocket monster binder i did i had a big (laughs) ass binder of them full of them I did play, um, although I'm not sure if the Japanese version was red and green, because I feel like when they released it here, it was red and blue. So I don't know if they just changed green to blue. That sounds familiar to me, but... But those were the first ones I played. I mean, maybe green came before then. I don't really know about the Japanese release of Pokemon stuff. And then I remember when yellow came out because it was um, where you could have Pikachu follow you around. And then I played... I think Diamond and an earlier one, but I can't remember which one. I haven't played Pokemon recently, but I was super into it as a kid. Did you ever play this one with Lavender Town? I don't think I got to Lavender Town. The The thing is, I loved Pokemon. Not very good at it. <laughs> Just not real good at it. Do you have to be good at Pokemon? Like, is it a game of skill? Kind of. I mean, there's grinding because you have to go to the gyms and beat the gym leader. Mm, maybe I would like it. You know I love to grind. I hate the grind, which is why I never got very far. I would get like three gems in and then be like, man, this is... I just keep catching the same fucking... What, like a like a Pidgeot or something? Yeah. Yeah. Little, little burb. Yeah. I know some of the names just because I did play Pokemon Snap with Jordan a lot when I was little. <laughs> So I, I know what some of them are called, but I don't I don't know their stories. I don't know what their deal is. Man, I can't. <laughs> even believe that you just never played it well you just think about that while i tell you about lavender town where i have never been but have heard of so we're talking about lavender town in pokemon red and green uh this was a game that was introduced in 1996 uh it was very very popular and it had a claim all over the world it didn't have any effects like on people elsewhere but the original release of the game in japan had a completely different story. Not too long after it was released, there was allegedly a quick succession of suicides among children from ages like 7 to 12, up to as many as 200 of them. 
and they all happened right after the kids played the game. Um, additionally, there was reports of other people experiencing dizziness, migraine headaches, nausea, hallucinations, kind of like Polybius. It seems like there's a threat here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so people thought the game was cursed, which is weird, but that's what they thought. Um, so the culprit, once people started to kind of really go into it, they thought it was a place in the game called Lavender Town where everything is overlaid with this odd purple hue and has like a really strange, creepy texture. Lavender Town's purpose in the game is actually, it's a town where Pokemon are laid to rest, so it's full of dead Pokemon. (laughs) Um, In the background, there's this really spooky, haunting soundtrack, and so they thought that there were signals embedded in it that played at a frequency that only children could hear, and it was those signals that supposedly made these kids have, like, potent suicidal urges um, whenever they heard them. I'll probably put in a clip here. came out in America, they changed it. It's still really similar, but the one in Japan originally was much more like kind of tinny and severe and like it does kind of put you like on edge. I I like it because it's kind of creepy, but I can't listen to it for very long because it does kind of like makes you want to grind your teeth. Yeah, it's rough. As people played and they reach Lavender Town, that's when all these bad symptoms were supposedly kicking in. Um, Nintendo denied any such hidden signals or frequencies in the music. They didn't put them in intentionally, but maybe people were having a bad reaction to them anyway, and so they had enough complaints that they changed the soundtrack before they released it overseas. That's why they think other countries were able to escape the curse of Lavender Town. And it doesn't help that the in-game story for Lavender Town is also kind of creepy. It's about a restless Pokemon spirit that haunts this tower, and the tower is full of trainers who are there to mourn their dead Pokemon, Um, and you get to talk to them as you climb up the tower, Uh, and when you explore it, you find some ghost Pokemon, and some of them are like, there's possessed trainers, and it's just kind of, for, for a children's game that I think you expect to be kind of cheerful and fun it was weird and kind of dark (laughs) when something gets as massive as pokemon um there's always allegations that despite the fact that it's like wholesome and nice there's a hidden message somehow that's in there to corrupt kids or or be bad i didn't have to deal with this because i didn't play pokemon but there were some people that were like pokemon they're devil creatures you know the fact that they evolve so super christian people who are against evolution didn't like that because it went against their creationist ideals and then this was the part where i guess it's kind of hard to verify these suicides because they happened in japan and so when it's time to fact check there's kind of a language barrier you can try but unless you speak or read japanese very well it can be difficult to find reports and stuff like that although i feel like 
I mean, maybe since it was in the mid-90s, maybe they didn't report on it that widely or they didn't want to, like, make a big deal out of it. But Rick McCormick over from Polygon said that the language barrier when it comes to Lavender Town, to the Lavender Town myth, uh, lends the rumor a powerful mystique. This might sound somewhat familiar, not completely the same, but I know there was, like, a, a big hubbub back in 1997, because in an episode of the actual Pokemon anime, there was a scene that triggered seizures on a ton of children that caused them to, like, vomit blood and lose consciousness and and all that stuff. And that one was because there was a sequence with, like, flashing lights or colors or something like that. So it was just one of those things where if you had epilepsy you know, either discovered or undiscovered, it was powerful enough that it would would trigger it. So, and it was really popular. So, of course, there was a ton of kids watching it and not knowing it was going to do that. I think it was an episode with uh, Polygon or Porygon, the little pink and blue duck. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. So, it's one of those things where it's never really been proven or disproven. I completely down with the idea that there could be something in the music like tonal dissonance or something like that that kind of puts you on edge or makes you feel anxious. I don't know if it would drive kids specifically to kill themselves without seeing hard proof that there's like actual death tolls behind it, but I mean, music can make you feel weird. It can and put you in a weird state of mind and and you can have like a physical reaction to it. It's kind of like in the Dyatlov Pass episode when we talked about the binaural sound or whatever it was that they posited caused them to all freak out because of the way, like, the wind frequencies went through the canyon and stuff. Could buy that one. Don't know for sure if people actually died, but it's creepy mm-hmm. in general. Just the just the thing on its own is... A little is, dark. Oof. So next up is Morrowind, uh, which is the Elder Scrolls Three. It's a lesser-known game that's said to have the capacity to drive a player insane, and it's a mod for The Elder Scrolls III Morrowind. The game has, I mean, if anybody has played any Elder Scrolls Fallout game, like, there's a lot of encouragement for independent mods, for, like, weapons, armors, characters, quests, whatever. Hair. Give me the beautiful yeah. hair. The good hair, yes. Textures <laughs> that are better. But one such mod has managed to gain quite a sinister reputation. A mod called JVK1166Z.ESP. Very catchy. Mm-hmm, so catchy. You'd think that they could have tried a little harder, but whatever. This particular mod was originally thought to be nothing more than a virus, as it had the rather destructive habit of causing screen freezes and all saved games to be erased when downloaded. It was found that the mod would only work if the game was played over special software for playing older PC games on newer computers, but actually finally playing the mod turned out to be a rather turned out to be rather bizarre. Yeah, I actually I watched a video on this one and when it originally came out, I don't know what the mod was supposed to do, but it would like hang up your game on the opening screen for like a solid hour. Oh my god. And then it would just crash. And so the person who made the mod, you know, like was desperately trying to be like, don't download it. There's something wrong with it. It doesn't work. I'm so sorry. And so it kind of got some notoriety for that. And then later on, someone was like, hey, if you try and run it, you can do this. But I don't know if people couldn't find it or what. 
And then all this spooky stuff that got reported was from like one specific user who was like, I got it to work. And then this is what happened. This is what happened. So upon opening the mod, it immediately showed that all characters in the game are dead. And it caused the player's health to rapidly deteriorate if they stay in any one place too long. And upon dying from this apparent glitch, a new non-player character would appear who looked to have limbs that were long and unsettling, like those of an insect or spider, which was called the Assassin. Don't like it. <laughs> this character was said to scamper off and then proceed to haunt the player throughout the rest of the game, appearing and skittering about in the shadows and lurking around corners. Man, it's not about that word skitter. Why'd you gotta throw that <laughs> Scamper in and skitter. It's really just very visceral. Scamper is kind of like, oh, look, this this puppy scampered into my house. Skitter is like, this demon <laughs> spider scampered or skittered up my leg and drank all the blood out of yeah. my body. Neither of but them are giving me the warm fuzzies. I just saw a shadow out of the corner of my <gasps> eye. Damn Taylor's you. spooked. <laughs> this episode is spooking her. Hardcore. I love video games. Get out of my video games. Another strange detail about the mod was that at night, all the characters who had supposedly died would come out at night and gaze at the sky, saying simply, watch the sky. Mm. And then uh, a new dungeon within the game was discovered, which proved to be super weird. Uh, in the dungeon, there was said to be a hall of portraits, which was lined with pictures that were plucked right from the player's own pictures folder on their computer. That's super unsettling, but just as odd was that this hall of portraits purportedly ended at a door that seemed to be locked and to have no way of getting through. Uh, Great, turn around and leave. Yeah. Leave. So I guess that mystery, like, really bothered some players to the point of obsession that they eventually went mad is the idea even more bizarre it's said that if one spends enough time trying to unlock the puzzle of this locked door the assassin is said to materialize in the real world and it's just it's you know it's an urban myth people were like we can't get this to work like i don't know what you're talking about but then people really wanted it so they would try and like make mods to replicate what this one guy had said he experienced but that assassin dude they talked about how at some point if you, like, spent too much time trying to figure out this dungeon or ignoring him or talking to people or whatever, like, he would start to actually, like, appear on the screen kind of, like, in the corners and stuff when you weren't dead. Because normally it was kind of like a, you only see him once you're, you're dead and he would come out and, like, mutilate your corpse on the, you know, replay screen Good or whatever. Lord. If you continued in the game long enough, like, he would start screaming at you. And, like, kind of skittering in and out of frame and stuff until, like, it was like he didn't care if you didn't see that's, him anymore. That's dark. I hate it. Yeah, I hate it, too. Good thing it's fake, God, right? I hope so. I'm just looking around the <laughs> office. My well-lit office. Tell me about Minecraft. This one's not that scary. No, it's not super scary, although I did find a little extra bit that made it Oh, you not did? Fun. It was, it's a, there's a hoax, but it's a very good hoax. Mmm, <laughs> do tell. Let me get it. Alright, so Minecraft, even if you haven't ever played it, you've probably heard of it. It's a, uh, a very popular game. It's simple. It's very open world. It's uh, the player, you basically mine. 
<laughs> Minecraft, different resources, and you can use them to make buildings, structures, pretty much whatever you want. Mark loves it. He plays it every now and then. He'll go through like a stint where he plays a bunch of it, and he's always making monoliths and orbs and pyramids and stuff. And I mean, it's probably, I think like if that's what you're into, it gives you a lot of creativity and freedom, and it's a cool game. But then eventually there was players who started to have like weird tales of things that they would find while they were playing. Uh, they would report coming across random objects in the game, tunnels cut into rocks that didn't lead anywhere, trees that didn't have any leaves, big mysterious structures like pyramids in the ocean and, and stuff where there shouldn't have been anybody else in the server to build. Because otherwise I think it's just natural stuff that you can mine from. There aren't any buildings or anything hanging around. But the thing that really got people was that around these anomalies, they started to see a white-eyed specter who was similar in appearance to the game's protagonist, Steve, but they had these like blank white eyes. And they would just kind of always be just far enough away that you couldn't really see them very well. And, you know, he would either be working on his things, his you know, these tunnels and stuff where he would just kind of, like, disappear. So someone apparently sent an email to Notch to, like, try and to, I guess, prove or disprove and be like, hey, is this person supposed to be in the game? What is going on? And they said that Notch emailed back a long time later saying that he had a brother with the username Herobrine, but that his brother was no longer with us, I guess, implying that he had died. And in the years since, it just has gotten more and more popular. People are always looking for him. And there was this one person, let me see, so it got really popular. And then finally, um, and on August 30th of 2010, there was a Minecraft video stream um, called BroCraft, which I guess mm. now has been... Um, People call it Ghost in the Stream, where Copeland, who is the stream's creator, showed Hero Brine. You know, he's out there streaming, playing Minecraft. This Hero Brine, who's the creepy white-eyed character, was showing up like in the backgrounds, like always kind of just barely within view, like very small. But it's on a live stream, so people are like, "Oh my god, I can't believe we can finally actually see him!" And he was playing. And then the game suddenly crashed, and then when the page came back up, it was the default Minecraft Steve face with actual human eyes, like, photoshopped onto the black part where Ooh. the eyes were. And then the there was, like, a bunch of jumbled weird text and stuff below him that I guess people decoded. Like, they had to take out letters or something like that. And the page's source had this secret message... And the message was, it has been reported that some victims of torture during the act would retreat into a fantasy world from which they could not wake up. And wake up is in capitals. In this catatonic state, the victim lived in a world just like their normal one, except they weren't being tortured. The only way that they realized they needed to wake up was a note that they found in their fantasy world. It would tell them about their condition and tell them to wake up. Even then, it would often take months until they were ready to discard their fantasy world and please wake up. And every time wake up is in there, it's in like capitals and creepy. It was, but it's fake. 
Oh, good. <laughs> people kept Thank bugging God. him about it, and they realized that he had people in the stream with him who were either, you know, I guess maybe looked like Hero Brine or did the fake crash or whatever, but... And people were, were mad, even though I was like, come on, it gave you a great, you know, hoax thing, unless you're, like, super committed to the idea of this. And eventually, Notch, the guy who made Minecraft or whatever was like, he's not real, he's not in the game, I don't have a brother. He said he has like a half-brother that he's never met, but that it's, you know, he's not really in there. They said in 2011, they posted some patch notes to the site with the last item reading, removed Herobrine, but they think that it's just kind of like a joke. Makes sense. So, one of those things where the, it's a very scary story, but it's also nice to know that it's Fake as fuck. Yep, yep. So, the final spooky video game we have is from Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, and it's the Drowned Ben story. Ben Drowned. Ben Drowned. Don't like it. So, the story has its origins from 4chan, where a user came forward with a chilling tale that involved an apparently haunted video game cartridge. The unknown user claimed that he had come into the possession of a blank Nintendo N64 cartridge which the wor- with the words Majora's Mask scrawled across it in black magic marker. Do you know how he got it? Yeah, he went to a fucking garage sale and some weird old dude was like, I don't know what video games are, but here, hold on, I'll go in the back and see if I got one. And he comes and he brings this weird thing out. Didn't he say something about like, he's like, you remind me of my son, Ben. No, he said, um, I think he said, you remind me of a kid that used to live here. And then as he was going, he the guy said good, he thought he said goodbye then, but he was like, after thinking about it, I think he said goodbye, Ben, which is scarier. Mm. So mm. on September 7th of 2010, 4chan user Jad Usable uh, posted a thread about his experiences with a haunted Majora's Mask cartridge for the N64. He explained that after receiving a suspicious looking Majora's Mask cartridge from an old man, the alleged garage sale, he went to his dorm room to play it and noticed that it had the save file named Ben on it. He decided to ignore it and created a new file, but during the course of the game, the characters would refer to him as Ben at various moments, figuring that maybe his thing and Ben's old file got like crossed over. He deleted the Ben save file, but it caused characters to not refer to his name at all. Uh, he then attempted to perform the fourth day glitch, which is a hack that allows players to get an entire extra day to the game and was ported to the Majora mo- boss battle at the end of the game. Yeah, which if you don't know, Majora's Mask is it's I tried to play it and even the game without being haunted is just kind of spooky on its own. <laughs> That's what I've heard. But um, isn't it- the whole premise that the moon is going to crash into the the like planet or whatever and you have yeah. to do stuff to stop it and you have literally like a time limit yeah it's like it's over the span of three days there's this freaky ass looking moon with a scary face coming down to run into r- run into like it's gonna bump into the town <laughs> it's gonna you know destroy the planet or whatever but basically you have one day to try and stop it And at the end of each day, it resets. And, like, there's different puzzles and stuff you have to do. So each day you're making progress. But at the end of the third day, you have no more time. And you just have to do it. And you're trying to fight this guy named Skull Kid. 
who is wearing, you know, the mask and everything and and you put on different masks in the game to get different powers. It's kind of like a uh, Mario Odyssey. You know, it's like Cappy, but you oh, get different masks. I and see you get what you're saying. Different powers. Hmm. But anyway, it's just kind of spooky in its its own way. I I got to like halfway through the second day and I thought it was kind of hard. So I don't know. I like Zelda, and I've played a good chunk of Zelda games, but this one was not for me, and it's extra not for me if it's haunted. He gets transported to the boss battle at the end of the game, and he noticed that the text was being displayed incorrectly, and the music being played was a reverse version of the game's Song of Healing before being ported back to Clock Town. town he discovered that the textures were missing the music was distorted and the town was empty of the normal characters so he began posting links to youtube videos he claimed to have recorded while playing they're really scary like yeah there's and there's a lot of bits like it's i don't know there's a lot of like augmented reality type stuff that goes with this one too but i mean in the game he gets killed when he tries to play the song of healing and Skull Kid, like, floats him up, and then he bursts into flames, and you die, and you do this, like, three more times, and then finally he got a game over and went back to the main screen, and instead of the bin file, there was a file that just said, your turn, and he went back to it, and then it took him right back to the part where he was dead, and then he loaded back to the main screen, and then it was Ben again, and it was just lots of... Lots of weird things. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was basically like he kept feeling like the game was trying to keep him from doing anything. So he, so the, the backgrounds of the game started becoming more surreal, distorted scenery, and the soundtrack was punctuated by screeches and even playing backwards, as well as a twisted avatar of the game's main character following him around in the shadows. Yeah, that's that, that's the, that elegy statue or whatever mm-hmm. that is in the game. But just becomes really freaky and terrible when it's following you. It's basically Link, but with this really ugly, detailed face on it. Yeah, and if you want to read the actual like posts that um, Jad Usable made, you can. I think I went to some wiki fandom page, and it basically has links to all of his videos, all the posts. You know, mm-hmm. anything that he wrote, and I just went through and read all of that. But, um, so, anyways, to continue with the story, he, so he restarts the game only to find out that not only had the Ben file been mysteriously restored, but this time there was a second inexplicable save file entitled, it was, it, it says drowned, but it was your turn, isn't it? Well, it was your turn, and then he couldn't go forward anymore on that one. So he went back to the load page or whatever, and then the bin one was back, but then the one below it said drowned. That's right. Okay. So any attempts to play a new game after this were allegedly met with the same results, that the character would abruptly die and a message would appear which read, you've met with a terrible fate, haven't you? Mm-hmm. In the description of the fourth video in the series, a person claiming to be Jed Usable's roommate uh, claimed that Jad Usable was moving out of his dorm, but gave him a flash drive containing the final video, free.wmv, and a text document titled thetruth.txt. 
He was told not to release these videos until September 15th, 2010 at 23.04 p.m., which is, that's military time. What time is that? 11.04? Uh, 11.04. I'm not good at that. <laughs> or 10.04. I'm not sure. So the text file was released on Mediafire, and it contained Judd Usable's notes taken during all of his experiences. He claimed that Ben started haunting his computer and would communicate with him through Cleverbot, which I read all of those transcripts. They were super creepy. Yeah. Um, Cleverbot was kind of like a, if you remember, like Smarter Child or something like that mm -hmm. from AIM, except it was an actual website, I think, instead of being inside Instant Messenger. And it was yeah. like a predictive, like you could text to it or type to it and it would respond back with stuff it was creepy the early days of the internet he warned that no one should believe anything coming from his youtube account after september 12 2010 and shortly after judd usable's youtube channel began to change with his profile image turning into an elegy of emptiness statue painting and his location became now i am everywhere the mysterious cartridge in question has never been recovered, although there are various screenshots purportedly showing the haunted game, but whether the story are true, is true or not remains in dispute, and it is often thought of as merely an urban legend. Um, but, yeah. I, I read somewhere that he had actually said that it was just a, a, like, hoax, and he had made it up, and it was, you know, just for fun. But he kept it up for a long time. He like, did. It was... <laughs> he did. It all got a little bit convoluted at that point. There was uh, yeah. some kind of Moon Children cult website. <laughs> it was. Oh yeah, I read about that and I was like, that seems like I just didn't even include it. But. Yeah, that it just got real crazy. But this beginning part, I was like, man, this is. Where Spooky. do people even get the ideas to do this? And the fact that you would have to be able to go in and you know mod it like creepy bent over in half Link running around and. And all that stuff. I mean, I don't know. The YouTube videos for it are spooky. Super spooky. <laughs> the articles I pulled from for today's episode were um, a MysteriousUniverse.org article by Brent Swancer. He had a, a list of, like, haunted, cursed, and, and mysterious video games. And then I just kind of supplemented with extra stuff. And then um, at Kotaku, uh, Patricia Hernandez did a article on the lavender town myth and she explained it which was where i got most of my information on lavender town which was very helpful sources i know i think some of the youtube videos i watched i think it was the super forge was the one i watched with a handful of them and then the really long one that i watched on the drowned bin is from youtube called Nightmind. it covers all the juicy bits if you want them and they are juicy and scary. And I hate them, but I love them, but I hate them. So that's that's all the spooky video games that I have to offer up. I know there's that one video game where, like, there's, like, a haunted girl. It's, like, a Japanese RPG or some sort oh, of... Oh, there's, there's tons. There's other yeah. ones that I'm sure we could do, like, a, a follow-up on sometime. Mm -hmm. But these are the big players. These are the big boys. So what's your uh, spooky thing you're either looking forward to or have been watching? Or it doesn't have to be spooky necessarily, but just, you know, your thing. I don't have anything especially spooky. I did get a new makeup organizer, and it's one of those acrylic ones. So it's kind of like a ghost organizer. Mm. I can see right through it to my makeup. Clear mm. off some counter space. Ghost makeup. Ghost makeup. 
I just finished The Sinner on Netflix, and I really enjoyed it. Bill Pullman and Jessica Biel and the guy who played Charlie in Girls. I don't know his name. I feel bad. bad. I can never remember it. I can't fucking remember his name. He's very handsome, but can't remember his name. Sorry, Charlie. Sorry, my dude. But No, that one's good. And it's on Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. I think the second season just ended on actual TV, so hopefully that will be out soon. Yeah, I'm excited because I like the idea that it's just a beginning, middle, and end, and then the next season is a different case. But I guess Bill Pullman is still in it as that character. So yeah. I like that. I like the, like, there's, like, one thread running through something. But that way they've got room to, to grow and make it different each time. Mm-hmm. But it was very good. There was, like, a plot hole, but ultimately I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, spot the plot hole. <laughs> <laughs> You'll know it when you see it. <laughs> you will. <laughs> put my whole <sighs> fist through it. Yep, pretty much. Well, that about does it. Yeah, so that's going to do it for us this week. We um, we started our Instagram, and we already have over 100 followers on it, and I can't even believe it. A ton of them are, like, paranormal investigators and haunted group watches and stuff like that. So it's kind of fun to follow those back and, and see people's investigations and stuff like that. So if you want to follow us, we're on Instagram. Um, we're also on Twitter. We're on Podbean. Or on Google Play, probably other podcasters, whatever you use. You can contact us over at ghostemojipodcast at gmail.com if you have questions or just want to say hello. But yeah, tell a friend, like, review, subscribe, give us those five delicious stars. As we always say here at Ghost Emoji, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done that.